Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week we talk about the Overwatch League matches, the flash-off showdown, and the release of Echo into the main game. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Week 11 gameplay section of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Hope you've been having some great games and watching some good Overwatch. Um, If you guys didn't listen to the news segment yet, my week uh, has included the first time I've ever played in an actual competitive match with another team. Um, My team, the Zomnics, got rolled pretty hard by the Nevermore in the international overwatch league shout out to you guys and shout out to my team zomnix kitty mothman uh nix uh drago uh there's more of you me um uh scary and again i know i'm missing somebody diz i think that's all of us um yeah so uh shout out to you guys um we got really rolled really hard because we weren't prepared for uh the sombra genji uh fara picks that make a really mobile comp um kevin i'm requesting your coaching experience as as a tank who should i be going if they pull out a sombra as a tank player playing against a sombra right yeah um all right uh step one um lay down step two (laughs) um try not to cry and then step three cry a lot uh (laughs) that's honestly um, but for real, the best way to deal with Sombra is to know that they have one and pray that your DPS can actually hit them. Um, and also here's another thing that like, uh, that some players forget to do. If you see the translocator and you know where it is, kill it. <laughs> like, don't wait there to camp her. Okay. Like, don't. Do that. Kill the kill the translocator when you see it, um, and you should be okay. Um, the reason for that, like some people are like, oh well, if if I wait for the translocation, uh, and then I'm like Ryan, I can pin. Uh, no, just kill it so that when she tries to TP out, she can't, and you just shoot her while she can't run. Uh, if anything, it forces out a panic translocate, which only goes behind you, and then you just kill them from there. So if you see a translocator, kill it early. Um, it, it's just a smarter play. Um, 
But in terms of like tanks, uh, make sure to fan your shield towards them. If you if you see it, you'll hear like the noise. Um, it's okay to drop what you're doing for half a second, unless the Reinhardt has ult. So just peek it. Um, another easy way to deal with it is to have Zarya. Um, just Zarya, you know, bubble the ally who's getting hacked uh, if you need to really do it. Or wait until they are hacked and then bubble them because that's usually the first target they're going to target. So um, th those are just my words of wisdoms for, for tank players playing against a, against a Sombra. Um, yeah, mainly it is just lay down, try not to cry, cry a lot. Um, but if your team is really coordinated about knowing where she is at all times, uh, you guys should be okay. I feel a little bit better right now, having been just completely dominated as the Rhine, knowing that that's really my only options is to is to cry about my life. Um, how's your gaming week been? Uh, gaming has been pretty difficult, not going to lie. When playing the Echo games, I've been having a lot of uh, trouble just surviving the fights. Um, she, once again, she kind of operates the same way how Sombra does where it's, it forces you to look in two different directions when you really should just be focusing on one. Um, and yeah, it's just really difficult to deal with her, honestly. As a tank player, like you know that you have to pick tank. You know that you have to do this. Um, you have to pick this role because if you don't, no one else is going to. Um, and also, like your team needs a shield, so you pick Ryan. And then you know that if they're running Echo, they're going to just copy your Ryan. Um, it, it's just a lot of once you see Echo duplicate either you or your off tank uh, you're like okay how do I mitigate the double ults here um, obviously if you get copied as Ryan and they have a Ryan like their Ryan will just shatter out of nowhere and you'll be like oh, okay I blocked it and then the second one will shatter immediately after and you're like okay I wasn't ready for that one uh, just reading into how the Rhines are going to figure figure it out there is really difficult. So um, I have a lot of working against Echo to worry about. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just a lot to take in, honestly. Yeah, I feel that. I haven't really been playing against Echoes because uh, when we were practicing, our, our league didn't want any Echoes this week. So um, not a lot of Echo play for us, but I'm... I'm worried for this next week because now Echo is fair game. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so what did you think of this week in the Overwatch League? I certainly, I definitely really liked the split across the four days of, of gaming um, just because it gave us more flexibility. Um, it was two matches on Thursday, three matches Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday, um, which, which gave me up really up until we're recording this on Tuesday. If I wanted to, I could have spread that out so far and had a much easier time of watching it. Um, but now going into next week where it's going back to the Saturday, Sunday. So um, not, not a lot of, of happiness there. Yeah. It's a lot of really weird stuff going on. Uh, the Overwatch league doesn't know what schedule they want. And it's really been throwing me off as well. Like I've been trying to balance uh, watching the Overwatch League and watching uh, whatever happens in, you know, the new FPS Valorant um, because 
that's just also something that I have to keep up on. Um, yeah. But it's interesting to balance the two. Like right now, uh, like they're like, oh, okay, we'll do it in four days. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch over the course of four days. And then like there's some tournaments that go on all day Saturday or all day Sunday and you just have to watch all of that. Um, and you're just like, okay, I'm taking it all in right now. Uh, this is interesting. Um, but really I just wish that there was a little bit of consistency. I would be down for Friday, Saturday, Sunday on the overwatch league half. Uh, just give us like three to four games each day um, that way. And we can get through all 10 of the matches that you need to. Um, it's just easier for me to process that way. It's just like, okay, today is an Overwatch League day. So how many of the matches the weekend did you watch? I watched all of day one and two, and I watched one of the matches on day three. Um, yeah, I mainly caught day two because um, day one was actually on the same day as like the Echo Tournament um for day one so i watched the day one of flash ops okay um and then i watched day two and then i finished flash ops so it's just really weird yeah so you know um, more, more about flash ops than i do yes i only uh, watched the the semifinals and the finals yeah and i i watched some of the pre-qualifying rounds because i wanted to see where the teams kind of landed yeah um but yeah it, it was just really interesting to see how this all worked out okay um so I guess I'll I'll take the lead on on the league stuff and you can talk more about the flash ops then. Yep. Um so day 1 we had the Rain versus the Justice and the Gladiators versus the Valiant. Um the Rain v Justice was a very very easy 3-0 for the Atlanta Rain. Um the Justice I I remember them being a lot better than they were. They haven't had the best record recently with this new season. I don't know if it's um just they're struggling mentally physically or whatever with having to be cooped up or or whatever but um they're, they're not the same Washington Justice they were last season the rain however are still a very very strong team um the justice showed a little bit of life on their second map on when they were at route 66 they were able to eventually cap the point and they did have a chance to to go and attack it twice and, and do that whole round two. Um, but in the end, the, the rain are just such a stronger team. Um, I was actually really surprised to see a lot of the picks that they, they were picked out this week. Um, there was a lot of Torbjorn play that I saw. Um, eventually the, the meta did go into the, the Reaper doom for these matches. Um, it was mostly Reaper doom, Arisa Sigma, Moira Lucio, and both sides were running that, um, but on the first map of, uh, of Ilios on the, the well, there was a Torb and there were a few times in throughout all of the matches this weekend where we saw a, a few strange compositions like ashes and Torbs. Um, so that was, that was fun. Uh, I always enjoy seeing some hammer kills. Uh, but yeah, the, the Atlanta rain are still just a very strong team. They're, they're continuing that push to try to hit the top of the league and, um, if they keep playing as cleanly as they do here, then I definitely think they have a shot to hit that former glory. Um, moving on to the gladiators versus the valiant. Uh, this is another rematch for the battle battle of LA. Um, the valiant were currently, well, not currently, but leading into this, they had the lead in the, these matchups for LA with four to three. Um, 
that changed after this one because the the Valiant were able to uh, not the Valiant, the Gladiators were in fact able to take the win. They went all the way to to map five. They didn't get to the um, map three on that last map of Ilios, but still in general, it was it was pretty even showing throughout. Um, this was a match where there was a lot of the Ash pick. Um, it didn't seem to work a lot at the very beginning. Um, the Valiant were the ones who were really trying to run the Ash, and it was a lot of it was a combination of Ash Torb, which in some cases it worked out. In cases where there were really big sight lines where you could effectively use her range and distance, yeah, the Ash worked out. But in closer maps like um, like Busan, where you don't always have that really good sight line. Um, it, it didn't work. It actually ended up hurting the Valiant and lost them some points. Um, the Bob pick wasn't as impactful as I thought it was going to be. Um, obviously, Bob can contest points and has a lot of damage output, but I think the Gladiators just were able to really um, work around it and and move around that. The Ash and the Torburn pick was um, a lot of what the Valiant were running. Um, the Gladiators were running more um, traditional comps, like you see a May Reaper, occasionally a Doomfist. Uh, they ran a Tracer Sombra once or twice just to try something new. Um, but yeah, the I, I question a lot of how the Ash was picked in this match. Um, but yeah, now that, now that LA teams are tied up, they, they play fairly evenly. Um, it's just the Gladiators happened to, to get this win, and with how successful they've been doing the rest of this season, I definitely think they deserved it. So day two, um, the Florida Mayhem versus the Paris Eternal and the Uprising versus the Defiant. Um, Mayhem v. Eternal was a very surprising match. It, it really was. I did not expect, you know, Florida to do as well as they did. Uh, <laughs> 3-0? Going into this. Yeah, 3-0, like 3-0 against, you know, the, the Paris Eternal of all people. Um, when I was watching this, I was like, I, I definitely thought the Eternal were just trying to do their best, but it, it was weird. Like Florida's playing like a hundred percent, like by the books. And I feel like Paris just got outplayed. Yeah, definitely. It was, it's so clean from Paris. They were, they were aggressive, but they didn't overextend and they, you can tell they were very coordinated. Um, I definitely think that their ults were better managed. They had a lot better use of um, of pairing in the ults, and they just the timing was just so clean. Um, nothing really yeah. weird on composition wise out of these teams. It was a lot of Reaper play, um, some Farah play, like on Numbani where you have that that height that you can use the Farah. Um, that was big, but it, it was just very standard play for both sides. It's just that the Paris. I, I think they underestimated Florida. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that too. Um, Florida plays like very cleanly. I feel like it's because they picked up that new Korean roster, and everybody's really used to each other. Um, that they are playing as tight as they wanted to, but Paris has like kind of the same mentality as well. So, um, I, I'm just surprised that they couldn't hold this down the way that they wanted to. I would have expected at least one map to be won by the the Eternal. And it looked like they might have been able to do it on Numbani. It's just that 
I don't know what happened there. Florida was just really on the ball this week. Yeah, it, it, they were just playing so well, uh, very coordinated. And honestly, uh, I wouldn't call it a fluke, but if anything, it is looking a lot brighter for Florida. Um, I feel like Paris just needs to gather up and figure out what they need to do. Do you think it at all was complacency from uh, from Paris? Because I think, like, we know how well Paris has been playing. And, I mean, yeah, yeah the, the meta this week was a little bit weird because you didn't have the Reinhardt. Um, but, but also, just, I would never expected the Florida to, to even take one map off of the Paris Eternal. Yeah, I, I don't know what to really blame it on. It could be the meta. It could be, you know, player fatigue. Um, but honestly, like, congrats to Florida. They really did, like, knock them out of the park here. Um, and, yeah, they're just showing, like, you cannot underestimate us. Um, I don't know if I would chalk it up to complacency, just saying, like, oh, we're up against Florida. It's easy win. It's not really. Um, it's one of those things where, if you get too ahead of yourself, you catch yourself uh, playing catch up later on. So, um, yeah, Parrish just didn't, they weren't on the ball this week, honestly. Do you think that Florida can keep this momentum? Uh, I really do hope so. I They were playing clean and coordinated. And if they start bringing this up against other teams, they should start racking wins. Okay. So next we had the, Boston Uprising versus the Toronto Defiant, which I, I think unsurprisingly went in the favor of the Toronto Defiant. No upset there. Um, it, it did go to four matches, so it, it wasn't a complete rollover from the Boston Uprising, that last map on Paris. They did go to a, a second round of attack and defending. Um, they, they did perform better than expected, I will say, but you're going up against the Toronto Defiant, which in general I think are a strong team. Um, Jerry and Color Hex are very, very strong on, on the DPS for um, Boston, but it's just, it, it wasn't enough. It, the same results as the last time these two teams played against each other, the three and one, um, as good as Jerry is, and I think Jerry really is a bright spot on this team, Logic and Surefor are, I think, just a higher caliber of player. Yeah, I, I do have to agree. Like Jerry's like one of the only bright spots on the Boston roster right now. Um, honestly, if he wants to move on to a different team, people will probably pick him up. He should. Um, I think he's being yeah, held back on Boston. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I do agree. And honestly, the Toronto Defiant haven't been playing, you know, their game in a long time, and I'm I'm really glad that they're starting to find their footing again here. Um, shout out to Nevix though, honestly. Um, he does get player of the match here. He's one of those guys, like I actually have a photo of me casting next to him. Um, and I, I got to talk to him when Sigma was first being released. Right? right. Um, and he was saying, yeah, I've, I've been practicing it and all that stuff, but it's really cool to pick his brain, especially about, um, like certain plays. And when we were casting together, I would do uh, color or I do play by play, which is really unlike me, um, which is just calling out everything that's happening on screen. Um, and he was just giving me insight of like, oh, why is a player doing that? And he's like, oh, I really like that playing out from that. And um, 
honestly, like he should, he was really cool on the San Francisco Shock. Um, I see him go, but I'm really glad that he's getting more play time um, with Toronto. And one of the funniest things about Nevix as well is like he was actually picked up to be a Genji player, um, and then San Francisco said, "Hey, we need somebody to learn Diva," and he just played Diva from that point on. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's why. He's just crazy insane. He's what we would consider one of the flex gods of, of this game. Yeah. And like recently, a lot of the diva bombs haven't been getting a lot of kills. They're mostly used as remix or for zoning, but he got some really key kills on this. Yeah. He was telling me like he would spend hours like on a certain day um, of the week where he would just throw mechs. Like he would just, you know, Go on a practice range, like get the diva, get the diva bomb, and figure out places where he can throw it over, um, or slide it in to like a certain crevice of the map where it will hit more people than like would expect and would detonate at the latest time. So he's just a really insightful guy. Um, I would highly recommend like taking taking notes on some of his practices or like his mentality of like how to how to place diva bombs and how to get the most effective like bomb out of it i think for me i what i noticed was the really some of the biggest problems facing the boston uprising is they can't complete they'll they'll start off with some strong pushes but there's just there's not enough follow-up there and and when they do when they do have their team fights, they tend to spread out a little bit too much so that it, it's really easy to to dive or focus on one area and just kind of go in a circle and just wipe people out. I feel like Boston, if anything, like they need to, first of all, pick up a new, pick up a contender's team, pick up a contender's team that knows what they want to do and how they operate as a team. Um, you know, if you want to pick up dignity from SA, do it. Like, you can give them those options but so far the reputation of the boston uprising is one of those teams that just buys players and has no like motivation to win they they're one of those teams that just player farm uh essentially they they let somebody get really expensive and they trade them off so that's probably what they're going to do to jerry um like trade them for essentially like cap space or money and then just not have a great team and just sign people mm-hmm. whoever will take a contract. So it's really unfortunate in that sense, but um, I just hope that, you know, they could turn things around. So let's move on to the Dallas Fuel versus the San Francisco Shock. This was a 3-2, which I I know that the Dallas Fuel have been doing better than they normally do. I didn't expect them to do as well as go to map 5 and then part three of map five. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I'm a shock fan, 100%. I'm not going to hide it. Um, but the Dallas Fuel played really, really well. Um, they were on their game. They made you know the shock think about half of the things that they wanted to do. Um, and honestly, I'm really excited to see this go down later later down the line as well. Um, the fuel are definitely on an upswing, um, allowing Decay to really do what he wants to do on the team. 
Um, and the shock may have too many good pieces. They might just have to figure out like what they need to do in order to be a little bit more cohesive um, in a way, rather than trying to be cheeky with every fight. So mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll see how this turns out, especially like later down the line, if playoffs and other things come into mind, but um, yeah, I, I feel like, this was just one of those really good games to watch. Like most people would on paper, like write this off and be like, Oh, all right. Yeah. The shock are going to win this easy, but for sure. Like in the past couple of weeks, like the Dallas fuel are one of those teams that's worth taking a peek at. Yeah. They used to really be, they used to not have a lot of really good performance, but they've really been clawing their way back this season. Um, Doha and Decay were really impressive. Their shock did their job. They were able to to clinch out the win. It's just, I was really surprised. I think my, they were probably really surprised too how coordinated and aggressive um, the fuel were. And, and like we said with the, the Mayhem, they're very coordinated aggression and very good pairing of the ults. Um, another thing that was really impressive was Moth getting so many good environmental kills this match on his Lucio. That was fun to watch. Yeah, he's one of those like big brain people who just knows where every booth spot is on a map. Um and obviously on like the last points where you don't expect to be um you're like, "Oh, if I if I hug this wall, I'll be safe." Um but, you know, he'll he'll find a way to get you into the water. We've seen the 4K boop um on Rialto before. Um he just gets to the spot where he knows you're going to push and then a and then punishes you or displaces you um, at that time. I think this season has been really good for a lot of the highlighting the Lucio players. Like I'd really like to see a, a face off between Moth and Funny Astro on the Lucio because both of them are very dominant. Both of them are not just healers. They're getting the kills and they're, they're using the speed boost very effectively to get their teams to rotate around when they need to. So I want to see those two go head to head. San Francisco and Philly. Let's go. Yeah. And if anything, if you're trying to learn from like Lucio gameplay, um, the thing to notice or take note of is when they use speed boost. Um, like when they, when they boost in, when they, they boost out, um, when to activate like, you know, healing versus, uh, speed and when is the right time. Um, it's really cool. Like, I wish that they did this more often where you could listen into an entire team's comms for like one match. Um, I'm lucky enough to do that on a collegiate level where I can hear the A teams and all their call outs. But you do learn a lot. Like the team works as one unit. So it's not necessarily just one person saying, oh, wait, I'm going to speed in. It's one person could be like, oh, we got two picks. Can we get speed? And then they're like, okay, speeding and speeding and going, going, going. And you just hear, like they're they get the pick they get aggressive with the with the speed in and then they they like speed out when they need to because they know that they have the time to reset um it's interesting to see the ebb and flow of an entire game especially through comms that's something that i should probably take a look into because i'm supposed to be shot caller for um (laughs) for my team it's just i don't know how to do that well yet yeah, it, it's something that takes a lot of time to get used to. And here's here's another thing that most people like will 
well, I might get flamed for this, but honestly, this is the best way how I say it. Um, if there's any information that is important to the team, it doesn't have to be the shot caller who's the only one calling it. For example, like, let's say if a teammate sees Widow grappling to the high ground, right? Um, let's say if you're on Eichenwald, point two, you're trying to push in. Um, you hear, like, one person who's maybe the McCree is, like, looking up and sees, you know, the, the Widow's in the far back corner, right? And you just, you see it, right? The call shouldn't be that, oh, like, I'm just going to ignore it. She's up there, whatever, rotate to the team. You should say, okay, Widow's far back corner. The reason for that is now it tells you as a tank player, flip your shield and face it that direction. So while the team is trying to close out the angle, you're making sure that they don't get headshot. Um, if you see somebody and you, they're they're low, you anybody should be able to call out and say, hey, well, let's focus down this one target um, while they're low. Um, as long as it's not like, you know, they're getting pocketed by Ana the entire game or, you know, something dumb like that, you should be okay. I think my biggest problem with, with shot calling is I, I'm not really sure who to focus in a lot of the fights. My main instinct is to go for the healers or mm -hmm. whenever there's a Winston, just go for the Winston because you could take him out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um. It's one of those things where it depends on the mentality of the team. Um, as as the Rhyme player for my team, when I was playing during that era of just like, you know, just straight death ball, um, when the Winston hops your backline as a Reinhardt, your job is to protect the damage from the front. Um, it does take a lot of like discipline to, to be like, I know there is a Winston breathing down my neck right now. I cannot turn around and swing at this, okay? Like, I trust the five other people who are behind me to kill the Winston. My job is to make sure that they don't all get shot while the Winston is doing his thing. Um, it's it's just a lot of mental gameplay um, at that point. But once you start getting a little bit more um, discipline on certain things, you can start getting cheeky with it and starting to get creative with the way how you play the game um essentially it, it's one of those things where you have to know the rules to break the rules mm -hmm. um and when it comes to you know winston hopping your back line or uh diving on a diving on a support it really does depend on what your team is going to be focusing on i will take that into advice when i'm actually not sure what our next match is i should figure that out tomorrow Okay, so moving into days three and four, this was, if you listened to our episode last week, um, this was the both of the days when it was just going to be the four Chinese teams playing against each other. Um, I said I wasn't going to watch any of this because I thought I knew how it was going to go down, and I, I estimated it pretty well. I said it was going to be char Hunters versus Charge, the Charge would take it, Dragons versus Spark, the Dragon would dominate. Um, charge versus Spark, the Charge would take it, and Hunters versus Dragons, the Dragons would do a 3-0 on them. I got it almost all right. I did not get the Hunters versus Charge right. The Hunters really dominated that match, so I felt it was in my humble duty to watch this and see where I went wrong with the uh, with the estimation on that one. Um, and, and now I feel kind of bad, considering what's going on in China. We might not get our Chinese teams playing for much longer, depending on how this goes. Um, but anyway, uh, the dragons did, uh, to, to recap the other ones that I didn't watch, uh, 
The Dragons beat the Spark 3-0. The Charge took it 3-1 over the Spark, and the Dragons did 3-0 on the Hunters. But um, watching the Hunters versus the Charge game, it was very strange for me because the Hunters were running meta this week. They weren't doing something weird. So really kind of out of the... um, out of the wheelhouse that we've typically seen for the hunters um we did see some weird stuff like we did see um they they pulled out the ash occasionally they did pull out a somber tracer which it's it's not really weird it's very it's unusual for for the current state of the game but it's actually a very um it's a very fast comp they were running a lot of really fast full diving in so that made sense for them um but the, the charge just weren't, they weren't like they were on the second week when the Hunters played. Because when they played that second week with the Hunters, they were able to um, to really figure out the weird wonky comps that they were running, and they were able to get that win. This week, it was like a complete reversal. Um, I, I really don't know how how to really explain it otherwise, other than maybe the, maybe the Hunters just surprised the, the charge by going more of normal comps um i will also say that um jinmu was huge on that fair nero was doing his best to play farah um but jinmu was just wrecking him at every turn um there were times when i i think that nero should have cut his losses and switched and done something more um more of a counter pick or, or something that would help his team a little bit more um but really, Jinmu was very, very dominant on the Hunter's DPS, and it, it really pushed them to victory. Um, I, I, I'm very conflicted on the Hunters now, because they're definitely showing a lot more um, cohesion than I was expecting from them. So I think maybe I'll have to eat my words on sleeping on them. I feel like the Hunters are going to be one of those teams where They'll play you properly, like one week. They'll play you completely clean, you know, same as the meta, same as everybody else, right? They'll play you very cleanly, and then just one week they'll be like, "All right, we're running, we're running Winston, uh, Echo in the Echo Farah. We're just gonna do something really weird." And then all the teams that have prep for like, "Okay, this is the meta. This is who we play against. This is what's this is what's happening." They're gonna be like, "Okay, we have to deal with a ball that's behind us now," uh, and there's also an Echo who's also ball now uh what do we do <laughs> like just things they're they'll have their chaotic style when they need to but they can they're right now what they're showing is that they can play the same hand that everyone else can but they do have like this hidden ace up their sleeve where they can just be like we're gonna run something super weird they're not gonna expect it um and that's what i like in teams like teams that can switch up the way how they play is like really interesting to me and that's why i always have the hunters on my radar it's going to be one of those teams um where they play you properly one week and then they just you know throw spaghetti wall the next week yeah like i i i really don't like watching the hunters just because it feels like a chore to me watching them play because like for me it's always like watching them play is it's just like, like you said it's a grab bag of like throwing spaghetti at a wall it's like i don't know what they're going to do which on one hand like should be um it should be entertaining just because the whole a whole big thing in Overwatch was making it exciting and not the same but on the other hand it's like it, it just it doesn't feel like 
traditional Overwatch that I know. It's like it's like they're they're doing their best to be weird is how they play for me at least. Yeah, I, I do understand that whole mentality. It's like yeah, you have to play in a really they, their whole quirk is to just be weird. Um, but really, if anything, they're showing that they're willing to push the boundaries on these rather than having everybody play the same thing. They're like, okay, we're going to do something weird um, and we're fine with it. Um, I just hope that they don't do that every week, um, which this week they proved, you know what, we can play the meta. Like right. we can we can do what you want us to do. Um, but if they just keep playing the meta, people are going to be like, oh, they're just another meta team. It's fine. And then switch it up on them every other week. Yeah, they definitely proved me wrong this week, and I will fully admit that I, I counted them out when I should not have maybe counted them out. Um, but we'll have to see how their trend continues in the future. Um, if they keep upsetting and making me watch their matches, then I will fully accept that I slept on them when I should not have. Before we go into the flash ops, let's the, complete out our Overwatch League proper stuff for this week. Um, so the hero pool this week, of course, was the Widow, McCree, Ryan, and Brig. Um, and as we announced last week, the hero bands and pools are going to be the same throughout the entire competitive Overwatch scene. That includes our, um, non-professional comp games, the contenders and open division and the league. Um, so this week our, our healer percentages were Ana was a 77.9, which is huge. I think that's the highest percentage I've ever seen in these past couple weeks of a hero being played. Uh, Mercy was a 22.5, Moira was a 21.9, and Lucio was 19.2. Um, Moira got the ban this week. The tanks, we had Ryan out, but pretty much um, everybody else got who was a tank got played and was eligible. Um, so Sigma was a 33.5, Arisa is a 29.2, um, Winston is a 22.4, Zarya is a 21.7, Diva at 20.3, Wrecking Ball at 18.2, and Roadhog at 17.8. And like, if you're like me who are thinking, oh, these percentages don't seem like they add up to 100, I'm guessing it's just because these overlap, so th these heroes being played at the same time. Um, Arisa did get the pick this week. Um, so for our DPS line, we had uh, three heroes eligible. Um, we had the Tracer at 25.7, Ash at 20.4, and Echo at 18.3, and I'm guessing this is exclusively because of how many people are trying her on non-league comp games right now, and I'm wondering if the Echo tournament had some influence on this. Um, and Echo and Tracer did get picked out. Um, now, now, for these picks, a lot of people were very torn. Some people were like, oh my god, Echo's in the game and you're not letting us play her, and the second week she's out, what's wrong with you guys? Um... And then other people are like, it, it's good that we're not getting her right now so we don't have too many people just trying to one-trick on her and, and main her right at the start. They can go over to, to quick play or something and get actually good at her before we really see her played in places where her SR actually counts and we can lose SR. Um, what are your feelings on taking out Echo for the extra week? I mean, every single time that they released a new hero into the game, they have not included it into competitive the week that it was added. That every single hero, like Sigma, Baptiste, like once they were released, they stopped. They said, you know what? We're not going to release them for another week. You can do 
you know, all heroes, same thing. Um, for Echoes games, you have to do almost no limits because uh, you need something to copy. And also, you can only have like four of any class on a team. Um, so, yeah, it's almost, uh, almost uh, all no limits or all heroes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I'm really glad Echo is, personally speaking, I'm glad that Echo is not in our comp games in the first week. Um, I do want people to get used to her. And um, V was watching the Echo showcases. Um, I was watching it as well. But as an observer, he's, you know, forced to watch him. Um, what he was saying is Echo does one of two things. Uh, she either dominates the entire team or does absolutely nothing. And he's saying, like, that's just the way how it is. If your Echo is not getting duplicate every other fight, she's dead weight. Um, like, she gets picked out of the sky super easily. She's only got 200 HP. She could get burst down really quickly. Um, and, like, if the team is focusing her down, she's she doesn't do anything. Um, and so, if anything, I'm glad that she's getting a week off. Um, we'll see how she does next week. Um, but the current bands right now is telling me as a tank player, uh, especially a Ryan player, Ryan Zari player, I'm like, this is my week. I'm going in. Like, it's fine. Uh, no echo. Don't have to worry about that. Maybe Sombra, but mainly it's going to be just, you know, me chilling, playing, playing my tank rules without having to get completely destroyed every time. Yeah, with the Arisa band, I'm expecting a lot faster play since it's not going to be really bunkery so i'm excited for that um yeah uh so for our our matches next week we're going off that four day thing we're back to the two day matchups with five a day um so saturday starting at 1 a.m pacific time we've got soul versus the spark um the charge versus the dragons NYXL is making their return and they're going to face the Hunters. So I have to watch the Hunters again. Um, the Rain versus the Fusion. The Shock versus the Valiant. And then on Sunday, we've got the Spark versus the Hunters. The Dragons versus the Dynasty. So again, like this is this should be a really good match that I'm excited for. The Charge versus the NYXL. Florida Mayhem versus Boston Uprising. And then my Houston Outlaws go against their Texas rivals, the Dallas Fuel. Um... So we've, I think next week should be a really good variety of matches. Um, we've got another team added into the Asian server, so that should be a lot of fun to watch. And we haven't seen the NYXL in a while, so I'm excited to see how they play. Yeah, I'm really excited to see New York come and play in, uh, in the Chinese servers. It's going to be a lot of interesting things. And also mixing in the Seoul Dynasty as well. Mm -hmm. um, these weekends are going to be a lot more interesting to look at. Um, and then... The mainland games are going to be really good, too. Uh, the Rain versus the Fusion, once again, two high-tier teams going against each other. Um, Shock versus the Valiant, this is pretty much, you know, the Cali Cup all over again, um, which I'm fine with. Um, I'm down to the Florida Mayhem versus Boston. That's going to be an interesting one. Florida's playing really clean. Uh, Boston, not so much. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, the battle the battle for Texas when you have uh, Houston versus Dallas. Those are these teams be... are doing really well recently, so I'm... I'm actually expecting a lot out of both of them. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting match to see those guys go up against each other. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to have a very busy Saturday and Sunday. So 
we're, we're going to just try to keep everything together and, you know, keep our notes succinct. All right. So let's move on to the, the Flash Ops Echo Showdown Community Tournament. Um, so you, you watched more of this than I did. Um, my big takeaways from this are um, the, the a lot of the Echo players, uh, this is just me watching the finals and the the finals with Scion and Test Team 1 and then the semis, which were Hog and Ball and Test Team 1. Um, my biggest takeaways really were that Echo is is really big at bursting down tanks. She, Like you said, she can either make or break your team. Um, the tanks are generally what the these players prefer to copy when they have their ultimates although um uh, there there are some uh picks that can really be huge to your team like a baptiste pick was is really big because you've got that extra healing that extra immortality field and if you can get the matrix up fast enough that's extra damage so really really big um echo's a little bit more predictable in her flight path than farah for me at least just because you don't have the the hover sustainability and the the jets that Farah has, you're pretty much fly up and then float down. So maybe a little bit easier to catch out with hit scans than a Farah might be. Um, and last takeaway is Dante is scary on Echo. Dante, I think, I think it's safe to say for me, Dante is my favorite player of the league. Um, and if I thought his tracer was amazing, his Echo is terrifying. Yeah, he plays Echo kind of the same way how you would play Sombra, which is just like annoy the tanks, don't let them play the game, uh, and get around to really interesting spots where people won't necessarily see you all the time. Um, but yeah, when it came down to this uh, tournament, it was on April 18th through the 19th. Um, it was really interesting to see some of the team come together. Um, you know, it was best of five uh, or, you know, first of three. Um, and it, it's just an interesting like gameplay and flow to it. Um, one of one of the very few things that they had as a lockdown was uh, you don't have two contenders players per team. Um, didn't say anything about Overwatch League players though. So yeah, uh, it was only the restrictions were only on contenders, which I thought was weird. That's a big big question mark because uh. Believe it or not, XQC's team, or I call the team Super because Super was the one who tweeted it first, um, was Super, XQC, Rascal, um, It's Your Boy, and then Sleepy and Avast. So, like, it had a really stacked group, um, but they didn't do that well. Uh, they got knocked out during uh, the, the first day. Um, I'm just but- tired of seeing XQC everywhere. Like, they used him... He got kicked out of the league for being like really scummy. Then they used him to promote Echo, and now he's back playing in this tournament. I'm just really tired of XQC everywhere. I mean, I'm fine with him as a player. I just feel like um, it, it's one of those things where he's good as a player, but as like a personality, I don't like him as a personality. Yeah, like I have um, nothing against his play style. It's just yeah. I have everything against XQC. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that if you if you're able to separate the player from the personality who they're trying to be like you can learn a lot from them um unless you can't understand xqc because he talks to like a billion words per minute but honestly like he's a very insightful person when it comes to like playing these kinds of games um i studied his winston gameplay when i was first learning 
um, how to play Winston properly. Um, so that's that's why I put him in high regards. Uh, but that's just gameplay. Like personally, I'm I'm not going to tune into a stream. Um, but it was it was just interesting to see some of these teams come together. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I totally agree that these games. Um, Prove that when Echo's in the game, you're either dealing with two Reinhardts at the same time or having to worry about, you know, your positioning against the team that has an Echo um, and how much damage they're doing. It's really, it's really insane. I think the fact that this was a, uh, was a paid tournament where the winner gets 10,000 and the runner up gets 5,000. It's not a lot, but I think that's like a huge um validation on, on that this is high level echo play like back when they did the, the friendly overwatch matches with echo just to show her off like there's no stakes in that they're just having fun but now that this is actually for money with with teams who are who are trying to to show their best stuff and this is being run on the actual overwatch league page as a real tournament like that's where you know that this is like if you're trying to learn Echo now, you watch these people like, like, like with Dante, like Dante has got nothing to prove, but still he just went completely off on that Echo, just burning people down, popping up where, um, it was least advantageous for the other team to have him just coming in from the back and copying the Rhine and shattering and just doing his thing. Yeah. It, it just makes tank life slightly more harder. Uh, but honestly, like, I'm glad that we got to see this high-level Echo play. Um, if anything, hopefully people will take advantage and, like, learn, like, certain aspects of the game. Um, like, her sticky bombs are really good when you can catch it on somebody who's trying to res. Or if you can get them on people, it's really it's really good. Um, and then, obviously, beam when people are below half HP. You just run through them. Uh it's not great for the opposing players. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, not, not for us. <laughs> um, but honestly, like um, seeing the echo gameplay, it just shows how creative players are going to get. They're going to either try to copy, copy a support, copy a copy, a tank, maybe sometimes copy a DPS. If you want that extra bit of damage. Um, we've also seen it like deny certain picks. If you, Let's say if you duplicate somebody at the end of their respawn, they either have to wait and spawn until you're done duplicating them or uh, or pick a... Like, they can't switch. They have to be on that character. It just burns time off the clock. So I've seen people use it and copy, like, McCree just for the last fight so that they can't switch to Tracer or they can't switch to, like, Sim. Uh, it's just those interesting... Interesting copy pickups. What are some of like the more unexpected strategies that you saw? Like I, for me, I was expecting like a lot more copying of the Torbjorns, but there, I didn't really see that. Um, for me, uh, it was pretty, pretty standard, honestly. Like it, it's copying the tanks and the support mainly because one, if you have more supports, you win the fight. Um, and also if you have a second tank ultimate, it really throws them off about, like what they need to prioritize. Um, like I was watching super, super got to play uh, his Reinhardt for like one match and watching the game. It was like, 
you just hear him, especially on the last when they were flushing on Junkertown. You hear him, he's like, Oh man, do I do I leave my shield up? Like he's like literally narrating out what he wants to do. And it's like, Well, I can block the first shatter. If I block the first shatter, I drop my shield and then I block the second shatter. Uh, after he thinks that I don't have any more shield or the other team is just going to push me I'm going to break my shield I'm going to get shattered the other echo is going to swing on me get another shatter that's going to destroy my team so he's like if I block the first shatter turn around and then block the second shatter maybe it will work and it didn't sadly he, his shield broke but it's like a lot to think about um, it, it's very overwhelming uh, to prioritize certain things in a fight. Um, especially when you have to deal with, you know, two Reinhardts or two Divas. Like, do I block the first bomb or do I block the second one? Is everybody hiding from the first one? Is the second one going to kill anyone? Like, what do we got to do? Like, so it's just a lot of thinking uh, when you have the opposing Echo. So having watched all of the Echo matches that you did, is Echo really going to be that big of a game changer for the league? I honestly do think so. Um, it's one of those things where you think it's not going to do a lot until you realize, oh man, we just brought back no hero limits. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, hey, sure, you're giving up a DP slot, but you have another Rain now. You have another Diva now. You're like, you're playing goats. Like, you're just like, oh no. Like, Certain flashbacks, like everything comes back, and you're like, "Oh no!" Like we're playing goats again. We have, you know, two Reinhardts and and Azaria to deal with, or Ryan Diva, and now you have like three bombs going off in the back row, and you don't even know what's going on. Uh, you, it's it's a lot to take in, honestly. Um, I think that Echo is going to change the way how pros are going to be playing the game, um, just because it forces different positioning like half the time if you if the enemy team has an echo you cannot be peeking as much as you would like to um, especially considering that duplicate thing and if they're a better version of what character you're playing then you lose like every single way and it's just unfortunate yeah yikes okay anything else we want to add for for the gameplay section any more echo um, you want to talk about honestly if you guys want to learn how echo is played definitely watch some of the highlights from the flash offs um you are going to learn how to position echo to the best of her ability um but for right now i'm really glad that i don't have to like worry about echo in my comp games i can relax for one more week before i have to constantly strained between blocking the the duplicate reinhardt or the actual reinhardt um or both uh it's just one of those things where i'm like okay right now we're we're, we're smooth sailing but let's just hope that you know echo when she does come to the scene doesn't completely destroy my face every single time i see her yeah um yeah, I, I'm. I'm very scared for. Act for. Play. I don't. I don't think we have that same ban in the league. So if we, my league that I play in, so if we do have a match this upcoming week, then, yeah, I'm gonna be facing some echoes. I can guarantee it. I'm. I'm scared. All right then. So thanks everybody for tuning into our gameplay section this week. Hopefully, 
you get some last great games in before Echo completely takes over in the upcoming weeks. And uh, hopefully you tune into the, the league matches and we'll be here to break them down for you next week. Stay inside, stay safe, and please don't touch y'all's faces. Next week, we watch the 10 matches for the Overwatch League, and Echo joins the competitive scene. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms, and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.